What's up, everybody? Good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning online Water's Edge worship experience. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. For those of you who continue to be generous, thank you so much for doing that. It continues to allow us to love more people, help more people, serve more people, and feed more people. And also, if you don't know, if you haven't heard, we have opened back up live and in person. Our nursery and our pre-K classes are open back up too for your children. So if you'd like to hang out with us live and in person every Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15, we will be here. But if you like and join it online, thank you so much and share this link with other people if you think it may help them out also. Last week, we began a brand new series about having pride in our local community. Our local community that has been through so very much and the people in our community that have been through so very much. We have seen difficult times. We've been through difficult times. We've endured through difficult times. We've rebuilt and we're still trying to rebuild through difficult times. And we've come back and we're still trying to come back through difficult times. But God has placed us here and God has placed our gathering here for a purpose. And that's to show God's love to our community and to also inspire pride in our local community. When I was growing up, there were certain things that I really looked forward to that were a part of my childhood. One of those things is during the summers and during holidays, I would get to go stay with my cousin in Houston, stay with my aunt and uncle and my cousins. And one of my cousins, Chad, he was the same age as me. He's still the same age as me and uh, we're still very close. But uh, many times I would go stay a few weeks with him and he'd come stay a week with me. And then during like Christmas and Thanksgiving, they would always come down and visit. And I just loved hanging out with him and I loved being with him. And when we'd get to hang out with each other, it just felt like we were closer than brothers. The reason why I say that is because we only had good times. We never got at each other's throats like brothers do. And so it seemed like we were just so close that we were closer than brothers. And the reason why I remember my friendship with my cousin so vividly and the reason why it means so much to me is because there was never a time when we didn't welcome each other. There was never a time when we didn't accept each other, when we didn't want to be around each other. There was never a time when we didn't love each other and want to see each other, no matter what, no matter what. And I can remember the first time I felt a deep sense of depression come over me when I was a young child. It was a day after my cousin had went back home to Houston with my aunt and uncle after they had been down here for a week for the Louisiana Pride Festival. And the day after they went back home to Houston, my mom took us back to the festival and I can remember there was a song playing over the loudspeakers at the festival, and it was a Huey Lewis song. This was back in the 80s. And I don't remember if it was the Heart of Rock and Roll or if this is it. I just don't remember. But I remember it was one of their popular songs. And my cousin Chad and I had both liked that song. And I can remember as I was listening to that song, this deep sense of sadness came over me. And I was only about 9 or 10 years old. That day walking around, I can remember this heaviness come over me. And in that moment, for some reason... I just missed, I deeply missed that acceptance and that friendship and that love and that closeness that I always felt when I was around my cousin. Because growing up, we were just like closer than brothers. And in that moment, that song reminded me that I was missing that, even though he had only left the day before. And so I remember that heavy feeling of sadness coming over me. And to be honest with you, growing up, that's been a constant pattern for me. But the one thing that's always helped that feeling release in my life was being welcomed and accepted and friendship with other people and then ultimately finding that grace and that acceptance in God through Jesus Christ. I can also remember that same way as a kid every time I would go home from summer camp. At summer camp you had that sense of community and that sense of friendship and that sense of grace and acceptance and welcoming and I remember the last day when we would just go back home I remember this heavy feeling of sadness and longing would come over me because I would miss those feelings of acceptance and being welcomed and being loved. 
In Genesis chapter 2 in the creation story, God said that it was not good for you and I to be alone. Studies tell us that when we isolate ourselves, then we tend to internalize our hurt. When we isolate ourselves, then we tend to internalize our pain and our feelings and our struggle, whatever it may be. And when we isolate, we usually start to develop patterns, unhealthy patterns, to try to deal with that pain. But those studies also tell us this, and remember this today, if you're still with me, Sam, still with you. When you have loving people in your life to talk to, then you recover quicker. This is why love is so very important. This is why community and relationship and friendship and acceptance and welcoming is so very important. People all around us are internalizing something. People all around us are internalizing their pain and their hurt and their struggles and their battles. And so that leads me to another aspect of our vision and our heart here at the water's edge. So if you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you. This is what it is. We are a church that loves all. We welcome all. We accept all, and we serve all with no strings attached. When we got started, that's who we wanted to be. That's the type of gathering that we wanted to be, and that's how we wanted to show God's love to a hurting world. Check this scene out in the Gospel of Matthew. This is the first time we see Jesus calling his future disciples to follow him. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. I always found that very interesting that they did that at once. A little further up the shore, he saw two brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called them to come also. They immediately, immediately followed Jesus, leaving the boat and their father behind. So notice the scene here. They followed Jesus just like that. They followed Jesus at once. So two questions. Number one, why were they fishing with their father? And why would they immediately, when Jesus called them to follow him as a disciple, why would they immediately just leave everything behind? Well, there's some interesting background. Back in the days of Jesus, you had rabbis, which were religious teachers, and you had their students, which were disciples. But before you could become a disciple, you had to go through this very intense, intense education program. And every young child back then had dreams of becoming a disciple of a rabbi. Like that's what our rock star is today. Like when we're kids, we have dreams of being like rock stars or professional athletes or movie stars or celebrities or whatever that is. We have these dreams as little children that we want to be. Well, back then, from the time they were young, they wanted to grow up and be disciples of a rabbi because when they went through this intense education experience, they went through that to try to prove that they were good enough at the end of that education experience that they could be a disciple of a legitimate rabbi. And so at that time, if they were good enough, then they got to follow a rabbi and they would get to be a disciple of that rabbi. But if they were not good enough, if they didn't prove themselves and they were told, you need to go home and you need to learn something else. You need to go home and you need to learn your family trade because you're not good enough to be a student of a rabbi. You're not good enough to be a disciple. Well, these young teenage boys back then, this is around 16 or 17 years old when they were ending their educational experience and becoming disciples, or if they couldn't become a disciple because they were labeled not good enough, then they would have to go learn their family trade and work with their father. And that's what they were told. If they were not good enough to be a disciple of a rabbi, then they were told you need to go home, figure out to do something else, learn your family trade, and work with your father. And so when Jesus shows up, they call Jesus, not only was he the son of God, but they call Jesus rabbi, and they recognize Jesus as a legitimate rabbi because he was a religious teacher. He taught the truths of God. 
And so when Jesus got ready to call his disciples, he goes to the shore and he finds a bunch of young adults, a bunch of young teenage boys fishing with their father. And then he calls them to immediately follow him. And so why would they immediately follow Jesus? Because these young boys, they were fishing with their father because they were labeled the not good enoughs of society. And so when they walked down the streets, they were known as the JV team. They were known as the losers. They were known as the rejects. They never will amount to anything. They're the ones who couldn't make it, and so they had to go do something else. They had to become uh, tax collectors. They had to become zealots and freedom fighters. They had to become fishermen. They had to do something else. They had to learn their family trade. And so the reason why they immediately followed Jesus was because finally, finally, someone wants us. Finally, someone believes in us. Finally, someone accepts us and loves us and wants us to be a disciple. Do you mean to tell me that Jesus, who's a rabbi, who's the most amazing, he actually doesn't think that I'm not good enough? He doesn't think that I'm a reject. He doesn't think that I'm an outcast. He doesn't think that I'm a throwaway. He doesn't think that I just need to be on the JV team. When he looks at me, he doesn't see someone to say, hey, you, you're not good enough to be a disciple. You have to go home and learn your family trade. He actually wants me to be his disciple. He wants me to follow him. And so that's why they immediately dropped everything. And it changed their lives. And they changed the world. And this is the changing effect of the love and the acceptance of Jesus. This was the life-changing effect. The original 12 disciples were a band of misfits, freedom militia fighters, tax collectors. Back then, tax collectors were considered lower than spit, lower than mud. They weren't even allowed to worship in the synagogue. They were kicked out of church because they were Jewish men who bought tax franchises from the Roman government and they would collect taxes from their own people and they would rip their own Jewish people off to pad their own pockets. So they were considered the scum of the earth. That's why it said that Jesus would hang out with tax collectors and sinners. The religious people got mad. These were the people that Jesus called to be his disciples. Fishermen, doubters, sinners, outcasts. Jesus chose them. He didn't think they were dummies. He thought they were disciples. He didn't see them as stupid. He saw them as future leaders. He didn't see them as losers. He saw them as world changers. So let's think about this today. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Have you, ever, have you ever been made to feel like you're not good enough by people, by a relationship, by a church, by religion, by your surrounding society? When you're made to feel not good enough, it's lonely, isn't it? It's heavy. It's isolating. It's internalizing. It's heavy. And it produces sadness. When we set out to start the water's edge, my heart was that we would be the type of church that looked like Jesus in this way. That we would be the type of church that welcomed and loved and accepted and discipled those who've been made to feel like outcasts. Those who've been made to feel like they're throwaways, like they're losers, like they're not good enoughs, the rejected and the sad. Because we know that in the community of love and acceptance and grace and mercy and inclusion and welcoming and God's love surrounded by people that love God, surrounded by people that love you, those in the margins can find their joy here. Then those in the margins can find their hope again here. 
Those in the margins can find their esteem again here. They can find their resolve again. They can find their purpose again here. They can find their faith and their significance again here. Jesus Christ went to the margins of society. He went to the losers. He went to the outcast. He went to those that everyone just cast aside. We want to be the type of church that does the same thing. We want to love those who've been pushed aside. We want to reach out to those who've been rejected. And those people who've been made to feel like they're not good enough for God, they've been hurt by religion and hurt by church. They've been pushed aside by their families. We want those people. We want to serve those people with no strings attached. We welcome them with no strings attached because we know that when they're surrounded by people that love them with no strings attached and a God that loves them, then that's when change can happen in their life. And so again, this is who we are. We are a church that loves all. We welcome all, accept all, and we serve all with no strings attached. There's a good friend of mine that comes to this church. And a few years ago, he came to talk to me in my office. And when he sat down, he told me a very heartbreaking story. He was a part of another religious organization and they had welcomed him and, and loved him and fully supported him. And then there came a time when they didn't think that he lined up with all of their rules and regulations because that's what religion does. Religion doesn't give you a real authentic relationship. It gives you just a bunch of unbiblical legalistic rules to follow. And when they thought his life didn't line up with their rules, they completely rejected him and it devastated him. And he sat in my office with tears in his eyes. He goes, if I come to this church, will that ever happen to me? And I looked at him and I said, absolutely not, never, because we welcome all, we love all, we accept all, and we serve all with no strings attached. This is the type of gathering that can make a difference in a community because it goes to the margins of that society. It goes to the margins of that community where the need is great and the hurt is heavy. Thank you so much for allowing us to be that type of gathering. Thank you so much for joining our carnival. Thank you so much for being a part of our band of misfits. Thank you so much for being here among people that love each other despite our past and, desp and despite our mistakes and what we've done and what we've been through. And we simply come together and we serve each other and love each other with no strings attached. So if you're looking for a place that's radically inclusive and welcoming, this is it. And if you're looking to help spread that love out to other people who have not experienced it yet, let's go. Let's do it. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you have a wonderful week. We hope to see you next, back next week. Thank you so much.